0: Are we willing to march into hell for our brothers in a heavenly cause? Are we willing to stand up? Are we willing to help someone? Are we willing to put ourselves in the middle so that someone feels protected?
1: This is In Good
2: Faith, listening to first-person experiences of faith and belief. On In Good Faith, it's our privilege to hear stories and accounts from believers told in their own words. Our hope is to listen with an open heart, celebrating the power of faith and belief and what those stories mean to the ones who tell them. I'm speaking in good faith today with choral conductor, really a great all-around musician, Leland Spindler. Leland, thank you for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me. You put together this concert that totally caught my eye. First, though, I want to just briefly introduce you to our audience that you've been working with religious ensembles for nearly 20 years, conducting your own congregation's choir when you were quite young in Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. And then in southern France, an interfaith choir that you got to sing in a lot of the great religious spaces. And boy, once you've heard that music sung in the buildings it was written to be sung in. It's life changing. You're sort of hooked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you have an undergrad in French, and here at BYU, you got a master's in choral conducting. You have your own group who we will be featuring today.
0: Uh, tell me about Lukes. So the Lukes Choral Society is three choirs now. It started with just one, Lukes Singers, and there's a mixed choir, the Luke Singers, and then the Lukes Men's Chorus and the Lukes Women's Chorus. And we are an interfaith choir, and our mission is to create experiences for people to feel connected to the divine, mm. to feel connected to a higher power through music. I read on the
2: website that you've got a great passion for the religious tradition of choral music and its role throughout history. There's so much music. Why, when you formed Luke's, did you decide this will be our
0: focus? It's an interesting question. I went through a faith crisis, and I felt pretty rejected from my own faith (laughs) that I grew up in, and I needed a way to feel connected to God because I've never lost a belief that there is a supreme being. And so I started Luke's because music had always been a way that I felt close to God. I knew that if I was struggling, there were probably lots of other people who struggled. So my choirs are just full of people who Some are in faith transition, some of them are in faith crisis, some of them are really secure in their faith, but we all just come together to help people feel the love of God. And talk about this Latin word, LUX. LUX, yeah. LUX is Latin for light, and so we hope to share the light that comes from sacred choral music with people.
2: You know, I talk to so many people of different faiths about the things that connect them to God. Sometimes it's a personal practice uh, of study or meditation. Sometimes it's when they're serving people. But there are quite a few who say, well, and music. yeah, Just like, almost like, well, and of course, that's a given. And for me, that's like numero uno, ding, 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 ring the bell, like that connects me to God.
0: It has this strange, profound power to connect directly to the soul. And when it's sacred choral music, I think it connects our soul to the divine. There's a term that kind of goes around called thin spaces, creating thin spaces. And I think that music is one of the most profound ways that we create that thin space between us and God. Interesting. And it sounds like you recognize this really early in your life. Yeah, you know, I come from a not very musical family. My dad can't match pitch, and and we used to go caroling every Christmas, and people would just kind of slowly close the door on us once they would hear us singing. (laughs) Um, But my grandma was very musical, and when I would spend my summers there, they would sing to me as my morning alarm clock. They would just, my grandma and grandpa would come in and sing to me, and I recognized really early on the power that music had to help me feel things, Mm -hmm. especially times when I tried really hard not to feel anything. It was music that helped me stay connected to my humanity.
2: And did you always feel that you had a connection? Not just that this gives me peace, but you felt connected to something or someone. You felt a connection to God through that.
0: Yeah, while I was in France on my LDS mission, my mission president said, and I think that it was true, that I was gifted this profound connection to music as a way to balance some of the profound horror things that I went through as a child. Oh, I'm sorry to hear so, that. Yeah, I think that music really early on was the way that helped me stay connected to God and recognize that there is good to be had.
2: So I have followed the Luke's Choral Society online and was privileged one year to actually help narrate a program, which was really fun. And then less pressure. I just got to sit there and enjoy great music and then just say a few words.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that was a great year.
2: (laughs) So you put on this concert that made me reach out to you. It's called Overcome Sacred Protest Songs. Yeah. Putting sacred and protest songs, usually those are two separate categories, you might think. So what was the genesis of this concert?
0: You know, I think that we are living in a world where we see people hurting a lot. I think we have a sacred duty to stand up for people who are hurting. I think that that's a very Christian ideal. I think that's a very world religious ideal. Mm -hmm. Throughout the centuries, we've seen music play a role in protest. I wanted us to find the motivation to stand up for people in need and recognize that we have a long tradition in our world of using music to do that, Mm. both religiously and secularly, but really a profound sense of doing that through religious music.
2: When I think protest songs, I'm thinking Bob Dylan. I'm thinking uh, Joan Baez.
0: All the great music of the Vietnam War era. Yes. yes. Right and, and
2: actually, and there's some in here from the civil rights movement. Yes. And can we talk about that one? We shall overcome.
0: shall overcome. This is just a standard anthem. Yeah, sung by the protesters marching in Selma with Martin Luther King. It has become one of America's greatest songs of protest. Mm -hmm. And it's also a heartfelt reminder that even though our life is kind of designed to force us to overcome hard situations, we can do it together. You don't have to walk alone. We can overcome someday and we can live in peace. And we need that more in our world than ever.
2: I'm sort of cheating because you put that almost at the very end of the concert. I think you're building towards that. but Exactly. I'm cheating because it was really nice to... You've kindly given us access to recordings of yes. the, this recent concert. As you started putting the list together, this is an eclectic list. Tell me about your search and,
0: and how you ended up with these. You know, I, I was very self-conscious about it once I finally came with my list finalized and approached the choir with it. I think I came about it for two reasons. One was that the last several years, I had kind of really narrowed how eclectic my programming had become, and I wanted to break out of that. Mm. And also part of it was I needed to explore other ways that I feel connected to God, and it's not just in cathedral music. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of sacred messages to be had in even in musical theater, and there are several musical theater pieces in the program. So. I just dug into my my memories and I dug into research of songs that had to do with protesting and different kinds of protesting. I had a long list and just kind of narrowed it down. I have a requisite before I'll program a song and it's that that song has to have made me cry at some point. <laughs> okay. And I'm an avid walker. I walk, during the summer I walk five ten miles a day and I have my earphones in and I just listen to music and podcasts. and that takes me through a lot of different emotional states. And if a song hasn't made me cry, I have no desire to do it. So every song on my list has at some point made me cry.
2: All right, sacred protest songs or songs that made Leland cry at some point. Exactly.
0: (laughs) I like that. Now
2: you start with one from Christian tradition, let us all press on.
0: Yes, especially in our programming here, I try to pay homage to our LDS foundings. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a marvelous LDS hymn And when you look at LDS history and the persecutions that arose, it's really easy to see that they were protesting those wrongdoings through song. Mm -hmm. And Let Us All Press On, I think, is probably the greatest one in the LDS hymnal, in my opinion. It wasn't written with that intent, but I think that it was felt by the people that way. Press on. Though the enemies deride, they're not going to stop us. We're going to move on and we're going to keep doing what we have to do because it's what God wants us to do. Yeah, this whole we have to keep going because I guess because they see a goal in mind. Yeah. And to move forward without fear. Uh, that's really hard to do. And it's its own way of activism. And I think that protest is really directly tied to being an activist. Mm.
2: Which a lot of people come to because of their religious convictions or their what they would call their their care for their fellow men. Absolutely. Fellow beings.
0: And I think sometimes we get activism wrong. I think we think it means you have to chain yourself to a tree or get arrested or burn something down. I'm from Oregon. We have a lot of people that tie themselves to trees. Um, But I really like this quote. This is by Karen Walrand And she said, activism is being led by your values to do something that helps other people and makes the world brighter for other people. Mm. And I think that that's similar to what protesting is. Activism is helping the world be better. Protesting is recognizing that it's not better for certain people and trying to make it better for them.
2: So this next one is, it's a modern song that goes back three thousand years. Exactly. Can, can I say that? Yeah. Go, tell me about
0: this. I grew up on Sundays watching The Prince of Egypt, music by Stephen Schwartz, and I've always wanted to do something from it because the music is phenomenal. And so we started the program with "Deliver Us." After "Let Us All Press On," which was kind of our opener, we did "Deliver Us." I wanted to do it because it was that initial plea of. You know, before you protest something that's wrong, you have to recognize that there are things that are wrong. And that was what Deliver Us was for me. It kind of set the stage of deliver us. We're enslaved. There's a land you promised us. You you promised us all these things and they haven't happened and we're suffering. So what happens now? Who's gonna stand up for us? Who's gonna get us to the promised land? And it kind of sets the stage for so the it, whole program. So it, it's not
2: just protest. The, the song is a prayer. Is a prayer, absolutely. Interesting. and then. Steal away is traditional. Steal away, yeah. American piece.
0: Yeah, a beautiful spiritual, it's a code song. So spiritual code songs were ways that enslaved Africans passed messages to each other. One of the most famous ones is Wait in the Water. Mm -hmm. And it was a way of saying, there are dogs out, they're trying to catch your scent, get in the water to make it so they can't find you. You know, for all the times I've heard that, I didn't know that connection. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So Steal Away's message was, it was a song to gather and most enslaved people weren't allowed to worship the way that they wanted to, so they would worship in secret. So Steelaway was assigned to get together so we could worship, and it was also assigned to get together so we could plan escape. Hmm. So it was a code song, and and by that very nature, that was a form of protesting. It was a way of saying, God has better things for us than to work for white enslavers, you know? And it was their way of taking power for themselves.
2: So in 1979, I was in the first cultural group to go into China after the Cultural Revolution with American Song and Dance. It was a group from here at BYU, and we actually had to audition— in the airport all of the songs like get up sing them and they were asking well what's the political meaning of the three bears and goldilocks it was like oh goodness (laughs) there is no this is just entertainment it's a children's story and it was just a new concept to them that there were songs that were not strictly political but we did learn this song molly hua yeah the flower so i'm so curious why this is in here
0: it's a folk song that goes back to the 18th century And it's probably the most well-known Chinese folk song. It was used in Puccini's Turandot Opera. Mm. That was how it was introduced to the West. But in more recent years, it has been co-opted as a way of protesting the more extreme oppression of freedom Mm. in China. So it's part of the Jasmine Revolution, which Mm. is a way of... So even this song about the beauty and the
2: scent and the delicacy of the jasmine flower yeah. does take on a political
0: aspect. It does, aspect. yeah. And I don't think it was intended that way by any means, but I think people have added that meaning to it. And also the jasmine represents purity in Chinese culture. So saying, I'm gonna take this jasmine, this pure thing and give it to you. I think that that's a really sacred offering also. And so the idea that Moli Hua is being used to say, We're gonna take this sacred part of ourselves and not let it be squashed anymore. Let it be seen by the world. I think it's a really beautiful idea and such a beautiful song.
2: And then you do take us to the cathedral with Thomas Tallis. I do. Thomas Tallis. What, late 1500s, 1600s?
0: Yeah. Him? English Renaissance composer. And what a life. He was the court composer and served under four monarchs, starting with Henry. And then, of course, Henry died and, and ending with Elizabeth the I through all of that. And he lived in a time in England when we were constantly going back and forth between Catholicism and Anglicanism. <laughs> you know, and Anglicanism by its very nature is a protest, a Protestant religion. And what I found really fascinating about Tallis is that he was very adept at writing in both religious genres. Mm-hmm. He felt very at home writing Catholic music in Latin. He also felt very at home writing anthems for the Anglican church. And no matter what the monarch was, He felt comfortable writing because he was true to himself and his religious thoughts.
3: Mm.
0: And I think that that's a form of protest saying, no matter how turbulent the world is around me, I can remain calm and I can remain steadfast in my truth. and And I tell you, that's not an easy... Feet.
2: yeah how he threaded the needle between those different groups who were at each other's throats
0: yeah and, and you know and this was a time when defying the religious thoughts of your monarch could be punished by death right so he allowed himself to stay true while keeping himself safe while staying he managed to find the truth in both and remain true to himself And I think that that's a really beautiful message. And
2: neither denomination would argue with this scripture, if you love me. Right.
0: Alice is a fascinating character. Him and William Byrd, who wrote together, were granted printing rights by Elizabeth I, exclusive printing rights. So they were the only composers in England allowed to publish their music through a printing press, wow. which only the queen could could offer. So that shows that even though he didn't always have the same religious views, he he was true enough to himself that he was respected, regardless who the monarch was. Hmm. And I think I know why you picked this ending for the first half one more day. Yeah, you know, I served my mission in France. I have always had a love of French. I, I grew up speaking French and just always knew that I was going to spend time there. So Les Mis has always been close to my heart. It is definitely a glorious song of protest. But here's what I really love about it. In One Day More specifically, you follow so many different stories. hmm the Tenardiers, Eponine and Marius, Jean Valjean, Javert, you have all of them and you really don't know, neither do they, how the next day is going to turn out. Yeah, And that's a really significant part of overcoming because we don't know how tomorrow is going to look. And then that final plea of tomorrow will discover what our God in yes. heaven has in that's store. That's the note I wrote on this, those, yeah. those very words. Several people said, well, that's a bit of a stretch to call it sacred. But I think that it was really easy for me to find that sacred thread because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Only God does. But that doesn't negate our need to push forward. And I think that that's what one day more exemplifies.
2: And then after intermission, you start with, it's really just about refuge in the Lord, but because it was written by Martin Luther, it falls into that category.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think Martin Luther would probably be shocked to be known as a Protestant. He (laughs) remained very steadfast in his Catholic faith his whole life, but he obviously posted his famous theses, which was the birth of the Protestant movement. And that's probably the main reason that I included it. I, I think that his act of posting was an act of protest. Yeah. Even though he remained very steadfast in his faith. Yeah, he wasn't
2: saying, this is all wrong and I'm out of here. He was saying, we need to change some things here. Yeah, we need to do better, I think is what reform. he reform,
0: yeah. reform, reform reformation. Yeah.
2: You threw me for a loop with Aloha Oi. And this may be because I my Hawaiian is rusty, meaning yeah.
0: non-existent. <laughs> you know, it was an interesting choice when I decided to do it. Aloha of course means hello and goodbye in Hawaiian, but it's also a really sacred word for them and it actually has a lot of other meanings. That's just the most common meaning. <laughs> But really aloha, that idea of the aloha in me or the sacred in me greets the sacred in you is Mm -hmm. really important. But I think the real crux of the matter is that it was written by their last monarch, their last queen. And when the United States took over, she was imprisoned in her palace and there she wrote quite a few songs. But what I love about the message is that her form of protest was a, a peaceful protest of saying no matter who comes, we are Hawaiian, we will be true to ourselves, we will be constant, and I will be with you again. And I think that's really beautiful.
2: Now we did talk a bit about We Shall Overcome. This is where it came in the program. Do you want to add something here?
0: You know, We Shall Overcome has been a hugely recorded piece, not only as a gospel piece, but Johnny Cash recorded it. All sorts of different artists have recorded it. I always get a little nervous doing something that's so common Mm -hmm. because I have to ask myself, do I have anything different to say about it? And we kind of did our own take on it. Being a predominantly white choir, we didn't want to make it feel false to us. But we also wanted to respect its history and its tradition. And I think that we came away with a real profound respect for the civil rights movement, for this really beautiful idea that through trial and through the process of overcoming, we find a lot of hope. I think that that hope is a god-given gift because it's so easily lost a lot of the things that god gives us can be easily lost if they're not tended to
2: you wonder how people when facing discouragement or the people facing them at the other end of the edmund pettus bridge how did they keep going that's what i've wondered
0: what was that hope i think it was that that last verse we shall live in peace mm. i think that that was the hope and i that dream still not realized fully And I think that was the main reason we needed to include the song is because we have that obligation now to stand up for our brothers and our sisters and say, you don't have to suffer alone. I'm suffering too, differently than you, but together we can fight for a better world for all of us. So then you take
2: a song that really applies to individuals, but it certainly can apply to a movement which i think is interesting like we shall overcome that's for a big group to sing yeah and then you go to this one which is just one person talking to another trying to buck them up maybe help them see the hope why Mm. did you pick this one
0: you know i really had struggled where to put it in the program because this is hold on from the secret garden we shall overcome is is such a universal thing and hold on is such a personal experience And I think that that's why I ended up putting it there, because it's really easy to get caught up in the momentum of a big movement. And then it loses steam really fast because it's not really directly relating to you. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to follow that up with something that was really intimately personal. For me, this song has been a way that I've gotten through a lot of struggle that verse, when you see a man who's raging, Mm -hmm. I think we've all had that in our life, people who, whether it's jealousy or anger, who try and put you down and stop you from being who you are and being able to say, I'm gonna wait you out because you're not that important and I'm gonna move forward and I'm Mm -hmm. gonna be me. I think that that's a really hard message and a really important message. They talk about angels coming and supporting you and, You know, my grandma passed away right after I got home from my mission. And, you know, I started Luke several years later. Every concert I've ever conducted, I feel her with me. She was a conductor too. Wow! And so I just feel her conducting with me. And I feel like she brings her own celestial choir along to sing with mine. And that's why that song was so important to me. Because I think that when we really struggle, when we're really hurting, we have angels that come and, and accompany us. And sometimes the best form of protest is just moving forward. You know, this happens in the show where sort of a possibly
2: middle-aged, maybe not that much older than the child, someone is giving advice to a child, and in that line, it's this day, not you, that's going to pass away.
0: Yeah, we live in a world with so much mental illness. I think that that idea of thinking that it's you who needs to pass away is really common. And it's really painful. And I think we sit there, you know, people who suffer with depression and PTSD and anxiety, and they just are able to convince themselves that they're not that important, that if they were to leave, no one would really be bothered. I know that I did. And to recognize it's this day that's gonna pass away. This moment in time is gonna pass. You need to stay because you're important here. Yeah. You're needed here. You'll
2: still be here after that storm has blown by. Exactly. What was it like getting a choir on board? Like, hey, I have this interesting idea, and these are not the songs you think I'm going to have
0: chosen for this topic. You know, when I first approached my board with it, I think that they were really nervous about it, especially considering our general religious community here thinking about songs of protesting the established religion doesn't necessarily bode well. And so I just needed to approach the choir and remind them that we're all activists in a way by our very mission of trying to share light with the world, with Mm. people that feel like they're in darkness. Once I talked them through that part of the program, they were on board right away. In fact, they were really excited about it. They really felt passionate about helping people recognize their role to make the world better.
2: So when you performed this, how did you set up the audience for them to understand these very things we are talking about. So why this song and how to look through it through a different lens than you might have before.
0: You know, I talked to the audience a little bit about it, and then I had different choir members talk throughout the concert. And I just shared with the audience that protest songs, are just kind of like how you said, the first thing we think about is the songs of the Vietnam War. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. I teach a class about music appreciation, and we spent how like How many roads must right, have... I think of like the association and Requiem for the, for the Masses. You know, mm. all these beautiful songs of protest, or really painful songs of protest i wanted the audience to remember that this is a centuries-old tradition i mean stephen schwartz obviously isn't centuries old but i'm sure that the jewish people while they were enslaved sang songs about getting to the promised land and i just wanted everyone to feel by the time they left that they could do something to Mm. help their brother or to help their sister you know, it's a totally sold out. Group there was people standing all around the sides, so that message really resonated with people. They wanted to come hear about how is their sacred protest? How does that work? Yeah, yeah, and how can I use that in my life? Because that implies that that might even be godly work. Yeah, I think it does, and I think it is. What a concept! Right? I, you know, I think when you talk about the Sermon on the Mount, I think that I think that he asks us to be protesters and activists mm. in his own way. And then you wind it up with the song
2: about the great division between citizens of the U.S. with the North and South.
0: Yeah, the great Civil War anthem of Battle Hymn of the Republic. And, you know, it's funny because when you read through the text... There's nothing particularly protesty about it. There's nothing particularly war-oriented about seen it. the glory of the coming of the Lord. Yeah, it's very just sacred. Battle Hymn of the Republic is a very fascinating hymn because it's really the accumulation of three different hymns. The Glory, Glory, Hallelujah was the song, and then the melody came from something else, and then the different texts were passed around by different brigades. And it wasn't until after the Civil War that it kind of came together in its current form. But I think that it has- Which which is really nice, that's sort of democratic in its creation. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? (laughs)
2: Assembled from different parts.
0: And I think that coming from the Civil War, it is a song of overcoming and of protest, and it's probably one of the greatest hymns to come through the American classical tradition. What I love about it is that it is completely focused on Christ, because the second verse is one of my favorites. So the second verse, I have seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. They have builded him an altar in the evening dews and damps. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching on." And I think, you know, when I first read those words, I'm not even really sure what they're talking about. But what I take away from that is this idea of watchfires and circling camps. Mm. I have my people with me. Mm. I have the people who I can rely on with me. And together we are building an altar and regardless of what's going on around us, we have that righteous, that righteous cause. I'm often reminded of the lyric from Men of La Mancha to be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of embedded in this song too. And really it's embedded in the entire program and in protesting in general. Are we willing to march into hell for our brothers in a heavenly cause? Are we willing to stand up? Are we willing to help someone? Are we willing to put ourselves in the middle so that someone feels protected?
2: And see ourselves as someone's neighbor. We maybe haven't seen ourselves as their neighbor before.
0: Yeah. Thank you. that part of the reason this program was so important to me was that you know i was a long time victim of sexual abuse growing up i was a a victim of domestic violence as an Mm. adult in several different relationships
3: oh
2: i'm so sorry
0: and there are so many times when i wished that someone would notice what Mm. was going on Mm -hmm. that they wouldn't ignore the bruises that someone would be willing to march into hell for me and i had a, a rough experience where there was a, a violent encounter and it was a trucker who pulled over and separated the situation and waited for the police to come. And that experience changed my life because it got me out of a really bad situation. But also it, it reminded me that rich or poor, white or black, mm-hmm. we all have a responsibility to our brother. And while all these cars passed by, it was a trucker that pulled over and helped me in my time of need we all have that responsibility to pull over and help our brother in their time of need. That is a great image, and I appreciate your vulnerability in sharing that, which kind of shows why
2: this topic and why these songs were so important to you. Yeah. So what response do you get from audience members?
0: You know, I got so many emails and so many comments after just thanking us for taking such a new look at our programming and teaching them something in a way that wasn't force-fed, you know, which can be pretty common. But people just told me that they wanted to be better at helping people. Mm. I think that that's in a world where we're too tied to our phones, we're too tied to streaming, where we're too willing to drive by, I can think of no better form of protest than just being more human to our fellow people. Beautifully said. Leland Spindler
2: is the artistic director, conductor of the Luke's Choral Society. Find them online at luke's, that's L U X, luke's choral Society.org. Leland, thank you for some really great insights into some of these songs that is going to make me hear them in the future in a different way. I really appreciate that. Thank you for coming and speaking in good faith today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Don't touch that dial. After the credits, we'll give you a few of the pieces from the concert without us talking over them. Thanks to Leland Spindler and to the members of the Luke's Choral Society. Find them online at Luke'schoralSociety.org. That's L-U-X. Music used by permission. This episode was produced and edited by yours truly and Heather Bigley. If you enjoy the show, the best thing you could do and make us the happiest is to leave a nice comment or a review wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at InGoodFaithPod, Instagram and Facebook at InGoodFaithPodcast. In Good Faith is a production of BYU Radio. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. I hope you'll join me again soon, right here in Good Faith. And now the free concert.